Hello and welcome to the latest Arsenal 49 Undefeated podcast. I'm your host, Tom Marshall-Bailey, editor for Football.London. I've got Charlie Watts with me, our Arsenal writer. Yes, how are you, mate? Not too bad, um, despite the weekend's result. And moving on very swiftly, um, Andy Hart, our social media editor, is also joining us this afternoon. Good afternoon, Andy. Hi, Tom. How's it going? Yeah, I'm, I've, you've had yeah, better days. I, th- I, think we've, I think we're all feeling quite... Um, I don't think disappointed is necessarily the word. Despondent. Um, yeah, Saturday. Saturday was <laughs> awful. It was one of the worst Arsenal performances I can remember in a in a, in a long time. Um, I'm interested to know what you thought, Charlie. Obviously, there was there was almost a kind of a sense of defeatism before the game had even begun. But for it to unfold in the way it did was just. As I say, awful. It was awful. It it wasn't unexpected though. I think most Arsenal fans would have gone into that game with that sense of impending doom, just as you always do before trips to the bridge or, or Old Trafford. And I think maybe you get a bit far. I've said it was one of the worst performances. I mean, the, the performance that I thought against Watford was equally as bad, if not worse, considering the opposition. Um, and I thought in the first half against Charlton, I thought we started well. The goal happened, and obviously the Bellerin injury happened, and it took us a good twenty minutes to sort of recover from that. But we ended the second, we ended the first half well, and Onstop should have scored, and Gabriel's got to score that header. Uh, even Mesut Ozil had a good chance, which was uh, which was saved. Probably should have gone to the far post rather than near post. I think what followed was the really disappointing thing because we actually were still in the game at that point, and then to come out and produce the second half as pitiful as that it was, just, it was so disappointing, and I think that's the frustrating thing for me it wasn't the whole 90 minutes as a whole it was the second half when the season is on the line basically and you've got whatever Arsenal Wenger said at half time it must have drilled into them that your season's on the line here go out there and give it every single thing you've got and try and get into this game well I would hope you would have said that and for them to come out and serve up a performance like that it was just so so frustrating and, and uh, I think that's what the whole sort of fallout to the defeat and the general mood around the club right now is all, all because of that I guess we owe an apology to Arsenal fans for last week claiming across the board that it was going to be 3-0 uh, I think each of us went for that scoreline and, and James McNicholas from Gunner Blog also went for that um, oh, uh, what were you talking about here not Chelsea yeah, yeah. of course yeah. a week feels like a long time in football and we went from I think the three of us a fairly optimistic mood ahead of that Watford game to now question marks over Wenger's future have opened up again but also question marks over a lot of the players. I mean, I, I don't know what you thought, Andy, but I thought defensively on Saturday it, there was some really worrying, in, well, a collective yeah. performance, but individually as well. Yeah, I feel like we've we've played this week over and over again for the last seven or eight years. You know, like we were so optimistic for the Watford game. I didn't particularly agree with the lineup which Arsene Wenger picked, but even with the team he put out, I thought you know we'd probably have enough for Watford. <laughs> and what unfolded I think the first half I think Charlie was there obviously and that first half was just one of the worst I've ever seen um, Watford could have been about 4 or 5 up and then from then on we're chasing it and I think it's pretty much a repeat of the recent month or the last couple of weeks we've started games so slowly I don't understand where this pattern's come from this season we did, you know we, if you're giving yourself a mountain to chase every single game it doesn't matter who you're playing you know whether it's Watford or whether it's Bayern Munich, you're not going to be in in with a chance. And you know the Chelsea game, you know 
like I say, we've we've seen this game how many times over the last couple of years. We started quite well, I thought actually, but well, that, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Almost ironic that on Saturday it was actually a fairly promising start, as you as you'd alluded to. It was obviously the Awobi chance. If that goes in, it could be a completely different game. And then Chelsea, with their first real attack of note, go and score the opener, yeah. and and then from then on. You just kind of felt, and, and as you say, Arsenal did create chances, but there was, for me certainly, there was almost a sense of inevitability about the way that Chelsea eventually just cantered to the win. But given previous weeks, how poorly we've started, this was almost, you know, ironically, the, it was a bit of a reverse, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, at this point, the, the goal, it was, it was so easy, wasn't it? You know, it was just a, a ball down the ball down the flank, crossed him from the right. Bellerin for some reason left alone with Diego Costa. Only one went in there. Only one went in there, and then we all know what happened in the in the build up. Was it a foul? Was it not a foul? At the time, I didn't think it was, but the more and more I watch it, and the more I think, well, it's got to be really just because of the, the damage that's being done. That just shows surely it was dangerous play. And and like I said initially, I thought that's not a foul. He, he had, the ball was there to be won, and he won it. But anywhere else on the pitch, or if that's you look at what goalkeepers are given fouls. When players just barely raise their arms at all and just jump at them, that's so surely that's yeah, one better in it. Um, so yeah, I mean that was frustrating. And when that happened, that just killed us. We're so reliant on Hector Bellerin. It's amazing. He's, he's honestly one of the most important players in our team. When he's not there, the whole way we attack, the whole the whole setup of the team goes. Especially when Gabriel comes in to replace him, which is frustrating me more and more every week. I do not understand Ben's thinking about that. You've got two fit fullbacks, right backs in the squad training. Debussy and Jenkinson and yet you're playing a centre-back who is the most stereotypical centre-back you can get he's not even a centre-back stroke right-back which you get in Football Manager or something like that he's an out and out bruising Brazilian yeah. centre-back and you're playing him at right-back and it just takes away so much of our attacking threat when Bellerin's gone and you've got you've got Gabriela Chelsea they don't have to worry about defending they can just attack that's all they have to focus on down that flank is just attacking you don't have to track back don't worry about it because he's not going to cause you any problems down there and it just played into their hands completely, and once and and yeah, we all know what happened in the second half. But it was it was just disappointing the way that the ease that they scored, and and then the second half was just soul destroying. Huge double blow. It was a massive Con- double concede blow. the goal in the way we did, and then Bellerin go off. And it, it was only really one winner off that winner. And and on the right backs, you know better than anyone about Wenger's kind of come and get me plea on Debushi. Mm. He spoke very candidly about Jenkinson that. He was happy for him to leave. It feels like I, I agree with you. I, I think it's um, square peg in round hole stuff with with Gabriel. He, he doesn't look suited to that fullback position whatsoever. He, he doesn't look like he wants to break over the halfway line because he knows he's not necessarily going to have the pace to get back on an opposition winger. But do you think Jenkinson and Debushi are ready to come back in? I, supposedly, uh, from what we hear. I know Debussy only returned to full first team training last week, but they ha- have both been mm. playing a part. Do you think they're, you know, necessarily match ready? Do you think that's probably come into Wenger's thinking at all? Oh, I don't think so. So I think Jenkinson played the full ninety minutes yesterday um, for the under twenty threes up at Everton, so it'll be interesting to see if he's involved at all. But he's obviously he was involved against Southampton. He was on the bench, and what was that uh, the week before? So he's, he's fit enough to be involved in that game. So why on earth would he not be fit enough to play against Chelsea? So we all know what happened. In January, Arsenal wanted to get him out. The degree of deal to get him out it sounds like it's around seven million quid, and 
didn't happen. Jackson didn't have any personal terms, and whether Arsenal is annoyed with him at that. And, um, but you can't just cut off your notice despite you. I mean, you've got to play him. You've got to play Jenkinson yeah. or or Debussy. Just he's got previous with this Arsenal. We're just trying to fit players into positions that don't, don't suit them, and the, the Gabriel one is just is so frustrating. And I think the most frustrating thing is I think we all know it'll be exactly the same on Saturday again. Gabriel will start a right back on Saturday. I'll be, I'll be stunned if he doesn't. Jackson might be involved. He might be on the bench, but I still think he'll go with Gabriel. Do you think that's a position he? could strengthen in the summer obviously it's a difficult sell because Bellerin is one of the best right backs in world football we all know that but can you convince someone to come in and just play second fiddle then you're obviously potentially sacrificing on the quality of the player it's, it's a difficult balance isn't it Andy? I, th- I think he has to to be honest I think now that he it seems he doesn't really trust Jenkinson which is clear because he, he brought him in for the United away game and the week after that and I think from Jenkinson's performances I think you know it's clear that Wenger does, doesn't trust him in those sort of games. He, the fact that he started Gabriel right back it, uh, says a lot for me. Um, whether he's going to go for a backup or not it remains to be seen. He probably thinks that he's still got options. He can, like you say, he can keep Gabriel there, or he can still have Jenkinson in the in the in the squad. But I don't know. I think if you if you believe what you read in the papers that we went for the the Monaco fullback Sadibi, then filled both left back and yeah. right back that might be a potential I mean, solution it feels like the full backs are a position he's got a strength from this season because he just he has to I mean if it, like we, we're both saying I mean Debussy's definitely going to be off there's no way he'll still be mm. around if, as long as we can find a club we're going to take well, that's just it isn't it yeah. but, but um, and Jenkinson they've made it clear they're trying to shift now by, uh, by agreeing the deal so yeah. he'll have to he can't, he can't play a whole season <laughs> the big question is over this, obviously, is his Arsenal Wenger going to be in next season? And that's the thing. At the moment, any sort of potential deals, every single player who Arsenal are approaching at the moment, we're going to want to know what the managerial situation is. So it's very hard to put any sort of firm plans in place for next season without knowing exactly what the manager is going to do. I think we're all expecting him to sign a new two-year deal. Is I think we'd be pretty stunned if he doesn't. The next couple of months might sway that decision if we have a shot and end up finishing seventh and lose five nil to Munich and it's uh, then maybe fan unrest will prompt him to make a change but um, at the moment we expect him to sign any deal but until he does any player is going to be wanting to know exactly what the manager situation is and this is the time now when you've got to start setting up getting your transfer targets sorted for the summer it's no good waiting until the summer I mean it, start, it should have started a long time ago and, and obviously it's not just you know players coming in as well it's Ozil and Sanchez's yeah. futures continue to be on the line while Wenger's future remains unresolved but obviously various players form and you know whether they should be in the first team full stop has been called into question always happens after defeats in this manner but the Wenger debate has reared its rather ugly rather ugly head yet again where do you stand on 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 Wenger it it's obviously a a really difficult talking point, a really difficult area of discussion. He's he's done an unbelievable job for Arsenal Football Club, but does there come a point when you have to say, it, 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 you know, thanks for the memories? Absolutely. I mean, it, to me, it remain it continues to be this cyclical mm. um, kind of scenario that Arsenal have ended up in, in that they will never in my mind never quite be good enough under Arsene Wenger to win the title but they will always be in the top four they'll always play Champions League football I think Arsenal managers are bored uh, I'm, I'm speaking for myself on this but I think we're just bored of 
the same, obviously the same sort of season, but it's it's that mentality in big away games, the way that you know we'll start well, and if we we know that we'll concede the first goal and then the inevitable defeat. It all feels very samey, doesn't it? Does, it? it does. And if you look at the record in big away games over the last four or five seasons, I'm pretty sure it's not pleasant reading at all. Shocking. And you know, when you compare that to his first ten years at the club, when you know. If you, if you got beat in a big away game, it'd be a massive disappointment. We'd always expect at least a point or a batting performance. And yeah. now it just feels like you're going into it, especially the game on Saturday. It just felt you felt anything's a bonus, which it shouldn't really be. You should be in with a shout of at least getting something. Well, Gary Neville, Gary Neville said before the game, a lot is going to have to go for Arsenal for yeah. them to well. He wasn't held at Arsenal by the midfield options. I mean, uh, Gary Neville was obviously looking at that midfield and was giving a bit of slate and saying, I can't believe that that's how they're going to set up. It wasn't the case of wanting to set up like that. No, he had to exactly. set up like that because Granit Jack is an idiot. He got himself sent off stupidly yep. and banned for four games. And obviously, on then he's away, Sandy's injured. So it wasn't, we didn't want to set up like that. But even if we had it done, there's still no, I was, you know, I'm still pretty sure we've ended up losing just because it's what we do in those games at Stamford Bridge. But you know, he wasn't he wasn't helped by yeah. certain scenarios. And uh, you know, Granite Jacker should be feeling very sheepish at the moment for sitting in the stands when we desperately, desperately need him. And I think he's got to take a fair bit of blame for the fact that we've lost two two games on the trot now because he should have been in that midfield making things tick rather than sitting on the stands. I found it. Fa- sorry, Andy. I was just going to say I found it really interesting with Neville's comments the other day post-match in that he then almost it felt like almost a bit of an about turn in that he went from slating the fact that that was the midfield set up in such a big game to then all of a sudden being very conscious of saying well hang on a minute let's give Wenger some credit obviously he called the, the fan with the banner in the crowd an idiot on, on TV but he you know he's quick to defend Wenger in saying that you know if if this was Jurgen Klopp or whoever and Arsenal were above Liverpool Man United in the table then there'd be some praise for him I guess the key question here and I think that that's what Neville, the point Neville's trying to make is is the grass always greener United have found that to their cost who who if we hypothetically this is this was to be Wenger's last year who would you bring in Charlie I don't know in my in my my heart says Dennis Bergkamp some sort of link up possibly with I don't know, Henri or something, but you know, Bergkamp's always said he does want to be a manager, he's very happy coaching. I think he will end up here at some point. I'm pretty sure he will, but whether that's manager, I don't know. I mean, all the usual suspects are out there. Simeone, I don't think so. I don't think it'll happen. I'd be very surprised if we got him. It would be such a change in philosophy and style in, in all of a sudden that I think it might be difficult to smooth that transition over. Allegri obviously always talks about Allegri. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. No smoke without fire, I suppose, and he seems to be playing quite a flirtatious game with it and not denying any of it. Um, but um, well, would I'm just going to put this out there, Andy? Mm-hmm. Would ripping up the formula and starting again with Simeone would that be such a bad thing? As Charlie said, obviously, it's not going to necessarily be the smoothest of transitions, given the, the football that Arsenal are kind of renowned for, but actually adding some some steel to that team and, and not accepting players yeah. giving six and a half I'd, I mean I'd be massively in favour of it um, you know you see what Chelsea do over the years they, they don't keep the same managers for more than three years and there's you know there's arguments for and against that but sometimes you just need that 
freshening up of a club from top to bottom. Um, you know, it, it, you can you can argue all you want about manager loyalty and that sort of thing, but you know, what not Chelsea do? It works. You know, they've they've had two managers in the last three years, maybe three if you count Hiddink, but they can probably win two titles out of the last three years. You know, sometimes it, you just need that change. And, and like like Charlie said, it's going to be difficult to get Simeone. I don't think it will happen. But you know, if you offered it to Arsenal to play. Most Arsenal fans would say, yeah, please. I think what we're going to have to accept is once this happens, once the change does happen, the, the, the era that we've just been used to, is, is we're not going to see it again. It's going to be, we're just going to, Cycles. yeah, we're going to go into the modern way of thinking of having a manager for every two or three years. Um, well, I'd be stunned if we don't. I mean, they'll probably try and look to get some sort of stability, but it's very rare that you get that in football now. Though. A big worry for me is who's going to be choosing the next manager? How, how does that all yeah. work at Arsenal? I mean, yeah. do you trust that board? At all to get an appointment right? Do you trust Gazidis? He's never never done it before. But no one in that in that board basically really now. Ken Fryer, I, I suppose, is pretty much the only person who's been involved in any sort of um, managerial appointment. I, I would say so. It's so so new to them all. And Arson is such an unusual case. I mean, he dominates that football club. He runs it from the top to the very very bottom. And it's it's old fashioned in that way. It's it's completely different to the, the way top clubs are run across Europe right now. Arsenal are going to have to come into that modern way of thinking. Is that they're going to have to go down a technical director route, getting someone as a head coach rather than a manager. There's so many Variables. questions yep. about the the how it all happens and the succession. It's a, it's a massive. It's going to be a massive, massive thing for Arsenal. It's not just so easy to say, right, Benger out, get them out. Because it is the whole club. It's going to be. It's going to be felt through the whole club from the very top, from Hale End Academy yep. up to the up to the boardroom at the Emirates. It's a massive, massive. Well, this is it. We can't, you know, saying Wenger out. It's when he decides to go, you know, rather than anyone else. If, yeah. he, if he if he gets us into the top four, like he probably will do, based on previous years, then careful. Our predictions well, last week. <laughs> <you know. laughs> well, you can't see the board just saying, you know, you know, you can't have a new contract because if he gets us in the Champions League places. Ultimately, that's what the board really want. And that's you know what's going to happen now. We're, we're out. We're going to we'll, we'll lose to Bayern Munich. We'll, yeah, well, I presume we're going to lose to Bayern Munich. Hopefully, I'm wrong. We come out with some miraculous result. But you'd think we're probably going to go out of the Champions League at this stage, and it's going to be the classic Arsenal season ends in a couple of week type period, which we're quite used to. But then you're probably going to get the upturn in form. We're going to go for a five six game winning streak. End up finishing above Tottenham. Probably sneak in second or third, <laughs> and. Um, and all and and all not rosy again, but this anger that everyone's feeling right now, and we'll subside, yeah, a, little, subside yeah. a little bit, and then we'll sign a new two-year deal, and, and we'll go again next year. The only the thing for me is I'm we will, I'm convinced we will never win the Premier League title under Arsenal again, and I love the Blake. I when, when I never I've been doing this job an awful long time. I don't get starstruck or anything like that talking to players, man. But Arsenal Wenger comes in the room. I listened to every single word. I've got so much respect for him. I could just listen to him talk for hours and hours. He's just that sort of person that it's just it's like my father walking into the room. I've got that much respect for him. Just that aura yeah, around him. It yeah. is. And but I'm convinced we're not going to win the title. I mean, he repeats the same mistake season after season. He's got far too much trust in his players. Would you honestly think if we had someone like Simeone, Mourinho in charge for these last year, would would Theo Walcott, Alex Watt, so Chaney still be a better football club. No, no chance. They've been shipped out a long time ago, and better players have been brought in to replace them rather than still, still hoping that they're going to come good. So, um, so no, I don't think we're going to win the title under him. But no. I can never, 
hold up a banner and join the chorus. I mean, fair play, those people do it, they, they can do what they want. I'm not having to go out for it, but I could never do that for the guy who has given me the greatest years I'll probably ever have watching Arsenal. You know, I'll, I'll never see us go and beat him this season again. I've seen under him, seen us win two doubles, and I could, the guy deserves so much respect, but unfortunately, I do think the time is right for a change. Absolutely. And I will move on because it's such a open ended debate that we could we could be sat here yeah. for hours. I guess Andy, one of one of the things I wanna know, if you can pick anything, is where did you see any kind of sort of chinks of light, um I guess kind of positive notes that we can take. Any consolation Port prizes that we can take? I mean I was actually quite encouraged with the lineup he picked on Saturday, it looked like he went four through three. There was a bit of a plan, you know, he shoved Urzu out on the wing and tucked Awobi back into midfield to cope with theirs. But you know, as soon as as soon as we can see the goal, everything sort of unraveled as it always does, and it just seemed like the plan went out the window. You know, the great start that we saw, the, the pressing, and we, we forced him into a few areas, didn't we? It just it just all went out the window, and it just happens too often. So whether we can take any positives, I don't know. Welbeck came on, he looked quite good. I, I was um, personally really disappointed that the welfare didn't start, and I, a yeah. few a few people said to me on Twitter at the time, "You, you can't start Welbeck, Welbeck, um, Ozil, Walcott, Sanchez. It doesn't work in in that there are too many forwards there. Whether it be that Walcott could have started on the bench and been that impact sub for us, I just I don't think it worked. I think Alexis being down the middle." Constantly dropping back. I mean, the stat about him not touching the ball in the area was—I mean, that that underlined it to me. We were just blunt at both ends of the field, and I feel like, obviously, we had the discussion last week about yeah. whether you know whether Alexis should be down the middle or Welbeck or Giroud. I think if it had been Giroud or Welbeck with Sanchez wide, you'd have seen someone in the area. I mean, the amount of space Nacho Monreal got. Um, and I could see him getting the ball, looking into the area and thinking, who on earth can I yeah. target here? Yeah. I can't put the ball high because I've got no one that can head the ball. I can't put it low because I've not got Giroud racing across to the front post. I think if Welbeck had started, it would really have given Chelsea something to think about. And whether that had been wide, obviously I championed that last week and that I think he could have given us a bit of a defensive shield on the flanks yeah. against Moses and Alonso. I think he could have protected... Um, Bellerin I, if he starts on the right for me I mean there's the clip of Walcott's attempt at defending and helping Bellerin out um, with Alonso Welbeck covers Welbeck covers Bellerin there helps him out and potentially the goal doesn't happen the injury doesn't happen I mean it's all hypothetical admittedly but I, w- I was really disappointed that given how well he played at Southampton to then be completely rested from the squad against Watford that he wasn't in contention for a starting place, it, it really surprised or he, me. Or I don't know. he wasn't brought on earlier because I, I thought, absolutely, you know, the whole Wenger thing to wait until the seventieth minute before bringing on a sub, and he did it again. But I don't know. I just don't know. With all these forwards back, it's a good position to be in. But I just don't know whether Wenger knows what his strongest forward line is now. Do you think that he knows who wants to play for the middle? Where you know who the first choice wings would be? The only one that spot you think would be. Is Urzel's in number ten? And it just feels like we're, we're going to be there's going to be a lot of sort of experimentation from Elf in the season. I think he only stumbled across Sanchez playing in the middle because or early in the season because Drew got injured. I think and it's it worked, but his loyalty to his players again 
they, I mean, I would have started. I, I, I definitely would have started Welbeck against yeah. Chelsea. I thought it, it should, it should have been a forward line of Welbeck, Walcott, and and Alexis. But even having said that, the way Alexis decided to play, even if Welbeck had have started on the left hand side, there's still no one going to be in the middle because Alexis decided to do whatever he was doing on on Saturday. I don't quite understand his thinking of what he was hoping to get out of that. The, what I was going to say with Welbeck, though, I think if you if he's in that eleven with Alexis with Walcott, there's naturally a bit more. There's a bit more interchange in yeah. there, and I think Welbeck, Alexis at the start, I thought it was brilliant leadership on his part. It sums him up. He was pointing at teammates, cajoling them, saying, "Come on, let's press. Let's put Courtois under pressure from the goal kicks. Let's give David Luiz something to think about on the ball." And there was loads of that in the first five ten minutes. But when you've got Urzil wide and Awobi, they're not going to go into those forward positions. If Alexis pushes wide to press somebody. I feel like Welbeck would naturally assume that position in the middle and go and fill that gap. I just felt with Iwobi and, and Ozil, and I, I completely agree that it's a balancing act, but again, Walcott's, I didn't feel like Walcott's movement was particularly you know, useful from the right-hand side, for want of a better phrase. I, I just felt like the, the, the whole makeup of, the, of the, that front four would have just been improved with, with Welbeck on the pitch. That, that's how it appeared I, I, to me anyway. I completely agree. I think he started. Uh, I mean, we don't know ins and outs of his recovery and what the sort of stats were saying on the training ground in terms of his uh, sort of recovery from that injury after the Southampton game. Um, you've got to take it carefully with him. I think we all accept that. But of course. He did have that whole week off to recover for the Chelsea game, so I thought he should have started. And I, like you said, when he came on, I thought he was one bright spot. I thought Ox did all right in the centre of field, especially in the first half when we played pretty well. I thought he yep. was decent in that position. But, um, but yeah, Welbeck's cameo was um, was a bit of a bright spot. And it's strange, we actually created a better chance. Apart from the three goals they scored, I didn't even check after make a save. And we actually wait, wasted plenty of good chances mm. in that game. We still, still could have somehow got something out of it, but our finishing was poor as well. Just, just on check, he's become naturally quite a big talking point off the back of this game poor poor in my mind for the goal yeah. well certainly for the first goal against Watford um, I slightly unlucky for the first Chelsea goal I'll admit didn't cover himself in in too much glory didn't seem to know where the ball was and obviously Bellerin then gets clattered I think Neville again said in commentary you want your keeper to be coming and claiming the ball there I know he's kind of a bit dazed about where it's gone because he's just hit the bar but didn't feel like he, he did particularly well there and then obviously for the third goal I, I, I heard someone say that the, the mistake was uncharacteristic but Andy I think these I think we both agree these mistakes are creeping into his game too often Massively I think he's had a really underwhelming season to be honest with you and actually since he signed I'm not sure he's really reached the standards that we thought he was going to set you know all this about him winning 10 to 15 points a season I mean, he's sort of costing us points in certain games. Um, oh, during the game on Saturday, I saw someone on Twitter write, you know, Paige Heck at the moment is making me miss Almunia. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I mean, I've said it all, really. He's not really been that rock at the back that we've expected him to be, but I don't know. Does he does he drop him? I don't. I can't see Wenger doing that, um, whether he brings Ospina back in. But, you know, it remains to be seen whether Czech can afford too many more games like that, to be honest. And obviously, let's let's not forget Charlie Wojciech Szczesny is still still in the Arsenal. Perfectly good goalkeeper playing over in uh, Italy, playing very well over in Italy at the moment. He's beginning to approach what you would think of could well be his start approaching his prime years. Although goalkeepers go well into the thirties now, and 
he's got Arsenal art. He absolutely loves the club. He still takes the mick out of Tottenham uh, on social media, which uh, always endears me to him. And maybe I think we all thought possibly his Arsenal career was over when when he went to Italy, but he maybe not. I mean, he could make a he could make a comeback. And unlike you, I, I think Pep kept him was suspect this season. His inability to defend near post is very very worrying me and that's not just this season that was last mm. season he was doing that as well and um, I thought last year he was decent I mean he got a lot of praise for getting the golden gloves but you know, I think Lauren Koscielny can take an awful lot of credit for that and I you know, check make some good saves but I think people were going slightly over the top about the impact that he actually mm. had at us and this year he's certainly been suspect he's not there's been a lot of games where he's cost us points certainly not won us points so it's got to be in Arsenal Wenger's mind what to do for next season and um, yeah, I mean Ospina I think has been great when he's come in is he long term I don't think so in fact I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves this summer but Chesley's got to be thinking he, there is a chance for him to come back here and, and make a bit of a go of it because there's not that many good goalkeepers out there now if you're going to go around shopping you're going to have to spend a fair bit of money to get someone in and people are saying Rome we're going to be paying 16 million for Chesney so if you've got 16 million good goalkeepers sitting there why, why get rid of him why not play him absolutely it seems a snip at that price do you, do you think he's matured enough Andy to come in and, and start staking a claim for a place again I think that's like the only question mark that Arsenal fans have got over him is sort of his maturity his decision making at times you know he, he tends to have this sort of rush of blood to the head too often he does give away a lot of those silly penalties that we've become accustomed to yeah. I saw a clip of him doing the same for Roma like quite a few weeks ago. So maybe he's not cut that out completely, but technically he's a good goalkeeper, you know, a great shot shot stopper. He can work on his distribution a bit, but like Charlie says, he's got everything you know, he's got Arsenal at heart, he's he's got the tools to be a really good goalkeeper, just needs to sort of grow up I guess and, and just cut those silly errors out but there aren't that many I mean talk about silly errors most goalkeepers make them nowadays yeah, I mean, virtually every keeper you talk about at the top clubs got question marks over them there aren't that many great mm-hmm. ones out there so it's not like we're going to go in the transfer market we're going to guarantee ourselves an amazing goalkeeper because particularly at that price we're not yeah. going to get we're not going to get someone like the hey you're not going to get Courtois you're not, I mean, you're not going to get Neuer so who, who else is there I mean your scouting networks will be very very good to maybe unearth an emerging Superstar, but there's not that. Mm. You know, Chesney's doing very, very well over over in Italy. So yeah. maybe the young lad from Milan. You know, I, d- yeah. I don't know. Yeah, when I don't know. Cost, yeah, yeah, exactly. Not going to part of him very cheap now. They say it's it's an interesting one because, like I said, I think we all thought Chesney's career at Arsenal was over. But the longer this goes on and Czech's form goes on, then maybe not. Absolutely. Okay. Well, um, we'll just move on very briefly before we, we wrap things up on the latest Forty Nine Undefeated podcast. Um, just look ahead with a slightly more positive note. On, do we have on, to? On, on, well, <laughs> I think we have to. Yeah, and I think if we do the predictions the complete right. other way, <clears throat> then by law of averages, let's yeah. hope that evens itself oh, out yeah. after after the Watford ones. But um, whole city this weekend. I think Arsenal fans would have been forgiven for looking at the fixture list a few weeks ago I'm thinking oh well we can write off the Chelsea game as a, as a defeat but it's fine we've got whole city at home the following weekend that's you know three points in the bag Marco Silva's doing a very very good yep. job there they've yep. got I, I, I remember watching someone a few weeks ago when they were saying where are they going to get a point from United Liverpool um, obviously they went to Chelsea and played very well unlucky to lose 2-0 in, in my mind um, it now looks a lot trickier it's, it's, it's going to be a massive test, actually. You know, I, I was a like like you. I was looking at the fixture list and thought, well, Chelsea sandwich by Watford and Hull. So at least if we lose at 
Chelsea, we've still got those other two games to fall on, and now it's looking like a massive game. Um, it's an absolute must win. It, it is definitely a must win, but Hull, you know, Hull need the points as well, and it's going to be tough. But Silver's really got them organised, and um, you know, if Mike Feeling was still in charge, probably we were looking at this like a, an easy home win, but it's going to be far from that. I reckon if, if they get through the first half hour of that conceding, the, the frustrations around the ground are going to see through again and I don't know how that's going to transfer onto the pitch that's going to be key I think yeah. the fan reaction on on Saturday because we've been at Emirates countless times in the last few seasons when it's been pretty poisonous yeah. down there after some bad results and like you say if we don't score early doors in that one and the frustration starts to creep in that will creep into the players and we've seen it time and time again that it gets half time nil nil and then it gets, the tension just rises and rises I'm just hoping that we see a, a, a response because they owe the fans a response after what they served up against Watford in that second half of Chelsea they owe the fans a response they didn't manage a response because Wenger's coming in for so much flack at the moment those players they're escaping it scot free they completely let their manager down Absolutely. with those performances yeah Wenger probably didn't cover himself in glory in some ways he's set the teams up in his team selection against Watford but that team still should have been <laughs> good enough to beat Watford it wasn't his fault they decided to stay in bed for the first half an hour so they, just, they, they owe everyone a response and I'm just hoping they come out and deliver it and you won't forgive me for this, but I will press you on your predictions. I will start with you, Andy. I mean, if you asked me this about a week ago, I probably would have said 3 4 nil. but I don't know. I reckon a nervy 2-1 win. 2-1? Yeah. It's going to be it's gonna be tougher than everyone thinks. Isn't it? Yeah, Similar, similarly to the Burnley game, possibly. Yeah, exactly. Eking, exactly like eking out a win. They're really well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Charlie? I'm going 1-0. Nervy 1-0 win. I think it's going to be one of those... The tough days, tough days, but we'll just about sneak it. I am going to be slightly more optimistic and say two 0 Although not a, not by no means a convincing two 0 I, I I agree with both of you. I think this it's going to be really interesting to kind of gauge what the atmosphere is like. Obviously, yeah. the Wenger debate is kind of raging on, and I just hope he starts the right team. If he starts, absolutely, obviously Welbeck. He's got a start for me. So if you start him and then you put pace around him, well, uh, Walker, Lucas as well, Sanchez, possibly. Well, this is it. So many options now. So if he, he just gets everything into place, we should have enough to beat Hull. But fingers crossed. And that just about wraps things up. So uh, that's the end of the latest Arsenal Forty Nine Undefeated podcast for Football London. Um, I've been Tom Marshall Bailey, editor for the site. Um, Charlie, thank you very much for joining us, our Arsenal writer. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks, mate. And Andy as well, thank you for coming on board this afternoon. Cheers, mate. Um, we'll be back next week with a special um, pre-Bayern Munich podcast in which we will look back on the whole City game. We will be just as optimistic and cheery and bright as we've been this afternoon about our chances in Munich. Uh, Charlie will actually be out there, um, so we'll be getting him to dial in for the podcast. Um, and you can join us at a similar time then. So. Thank you very much. Be sure to follow all the latest Arsenal news at www.football.london and we're also on Twitter and Facebook too, so uh, give us a follow and a like on there. Brilliant. Thank you very much and goodbye.